Welcome everyone to Celtic Preacher Podcast 82. It's not easy to hear God's guidance, is it? I mean, I know that Jesus said, you know, I am the shepherd and you're the sheep and my sheep hear my voice, but still, still, guidance isn't usually crystal clear. And there's a reason for that. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. We're looking at a passage called the Transfiguration. And it's one of the one of the teachings in this passage, which is actually Matthew 17. The teaching addresses why listening to God can be challenging. And by the way, it's not just God that we have trouble hearing, it's also one another. I mean, we just have trouble listening full stop, whether it's God, whether it's people, we we have trouble. One of the most important things that we can learn is how to listen. Because for many of us, we have trouble listening. We have a lot of trouble listening. Here's a little test for you. For example, do you ever make assumptions about your partner's feelings or thoughts? Do you ever interrupt anyone in conversation? Do you ever use sarcasm or jokes to respond to someone? Do you ever see only your point of view? Yeah, well, common, right? Common things. Do you ever respond with phrases like, that's ridiculous? That's ridiculous. Chances are, yeah, you have, right? And the all these things stop us from hearing well. You know, when you're preoccupied, when you're distracted, uh, even looking at your phone, you, you can't hear. Or maybe you're emotionally distracted, or maybe you're just tired or hungry. Many things hinder us from hearing other people. So you can imagine if it's difficult to listen to people, it's certainly not gonna be easy for us to listen to God. And one of Jesus' memorable sayings is, is that you have ears, but you don't hear. Now, he's not talking about physical hearing. He's saying, you've never really learned how to hear God. As in, hear what is good and right and true. He said similar thing about our eyes. He said, you have eyes, but you don't see. And again, uh, it's, it's a way of saying you're not perceiving reality correctly. You're not seeing things correctly. You're not paying attention to what's important. We can miss what's life-giving and get caught up in all the wrong things and place our attention and give our limited energy to things that we have absolutely no power to change. Have you noticed that, you know? Our fears can easily hijack our peace, can't they? You know, well, what if this happens? And what if that happens? And so today, we have this account called the Transfiguration. Now, it is a mysterious text. You'll see lots of paintings on the Transfiguration if you ever wander through an art gallery. Um, it's kind of mysterious because it's a vision, right? So it's going to be mysterious. It's not going to be clear because it's a vision. And But within this story, it's a classic example of Jesus' disciples, their student, his students, lack 
of, of spiritual listening skills. And what we'll see in this story is, this narrative is, we'll, we'll see Peter, the, this, the disciple, making common mistakes many of us make. It's an account of misjudging a situation, missing the point. And it's funny, if we don't like what someone is telling us, even if it's true, it's extremely difficult to let the information in, even if it's good and even if it's helpful. So here's the context. Um, six days ago, Jesus had been, he's trying to prepare his disciples, his students, that he won't always be with them. And he gives them this warning or teaching at the end, near the end of his life. He's trying to prepare them for what lies ahead. And so he tells them toward the end of his life, he only, he's only with them three years, um, that he's going to go to Jerusalem and he will suffer there under the hands of the religious leaders. He'll be killed, crucified, and on the third day he'll be raised up alive. Now, any time he ever speaks about suffering, everyone stops listening to him. So the first time when he tries to prepare his students, Peter says, no, no, this can't happen. We're not going to let this happen. It can't happen. So Jesus is trying to prepare them, but nobody wants to hear about his death. And I don't know what they do with his, when, they, when he talks about being resurrected, everybody just seems to ignore that. It's really the strangest thing because he tells them repeatedly, three times he told them about his up and coming death, and three times he told them about his resurrection, and three times they didn't listen. I mean, they didn't even question. I mean, you'd think that they would say, well, what do you mean by resurrection? Or what do you mean by being raised up? You'd think they would at least ask the question. But, you know, there's just nothing. It's just, I think it's, I think it's a classic example of denial. It's like, I, 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 I don't want to even think about this. I'm not even going to go there. This is not going to happen. You're not going to suffer, so I don't, I, I don't listen anymore. So, six days after this somewhat tense interaction between Jesus and his students when he, when he told them about his up-and-coming death, this, trans, this vision happens. It's called this transfiguration vision happens. And only three of his students witness this, Peter, James, and John. They're on a mountaintop with Jesus, and verse 29 tells us that he's transfigured before them and his face changed. And the word transfigured in the New Testament Greek, the language that the New Testament was written in, we get our word metamorphosis from that word transfigured. And it's the word that we use to describe what happens to a caterpillar when it changes into a butterfly. Like this transfiguration takes place, or a tadpole into a frog. Christ is, the vision is, he's shiny, he's, his clothes are dazzling white. Christ is transfigured on this mountaintop. And, and it's like just for a brief moment, 
the disciples catch a glimpse of who he truly is. I mean, this is just, this is no ordinary rabbi. This isn't just a, a regular prophet. This is something else. You know, it's, it's almost like, it's like the thin place, you know. It's like the veil is lifted and they see who he really is. Eternity breaks into the ordinary everyday life. And there he is in all his light and all his glory. Uh, it's like, this is the one that St. Paul writes about in Colossians. This is, the, this is the image of the invisible God. And his face is, shines like the sun and his clothes become dazzling white. And as he's praying, two other prophets, Elijah and Moses, join him. Now, that's not going to mean a whole lot to us, but for these disciples, they're like the superstars of the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures. Moses and Elijah, they would know, they would have heard all the stories, all the miracles about Moses and Elijah when they were little boys. So that's the vision. And Peter wants to capture the moment. He doesn't really know what to say. So he says, well, um, I'll make three tents for us. You know, I'll, I'll make three dwellings, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And, and then we can stay here, right? He doesn't really know what to say. He's so mesmerized by this awesome revelation. He's never really experienced such a God-filled moment before. So, you know, Peter, kind of impulsive kind of guy, you know, forever impulsive, not really thinking that clearly, wants to stay on the mountain, build tents, hold the moment, you know, freeze the moment. Remember, have you ever, have you ever felt that? Or maybe when you were a little kid, you felt it's like, oh, I just wish I could stay here forever. Or I just wish that time could stop. It's such a, a good thing, whatever you are, you know. I think it's that sort of sense of, Oh, let's just make it last. Let's build tents. It's a common longing, I think, that people have experienced. If they, especially if it's a particularly moving experience with God or a moment of clarity or with another person or, you know, and you sense something special and you think, oh, I just want to keep this moment. So there's Peter talking about staying and building tents, kind of missing the point, really, of the vision. But that's okay, because God makes the point very clearly. So remember, Jesus had been talking about his death and his suffering. So, you know, at one level, the vision is saying, you know, death will not have the last word, right? I mean, be encouraged, remember this, because when he does die, remember this time, disciples. I think perhaps the transfiguration at some level is saying that and you might have some of your own ideas too and what that vision would say to, say to you I mean you read it for yourself I certainly don't have the final word and what these things mean but out of the cloud a voice speaks and it's the voice of God who says this is my son the beloved, with him I am well pleased, listen to him. 
So there's Peter talking about making tents and staying here and, you know, enjoying this awesome vision, kind of missing the point. And God speaks very clearly. The message is, Peter, listen to him. James, John, listen to him. Now, it's an active kind of listening. It's not just listen to him because he has great wisdom, which Jesus does. It's more the kind of listening as in do what he says, right? So if, if Jesus says, don't, don't fear, trust me, then you practice that. You learn how to live into that. And of course, it's going to take a lifetime, right? But that's the whole point of having a spiritual life. It changes us if we practice it. If Jesus says things like, come to me and give me all your troubles. What are you worried about? Lean on me and I'll give you rest. We don't just listen to that and say, oh, that's a really nice phrase. That's, that's a really cool thing to say. We actually, we practice doing it, right? We practice doing it. I think perhaps one of the biggest challenges of the spiritual life is moving everything we know to a practical level. So when we're in university or when we're in secondary school, it's so much of learning is about cognitively memorizing the material and then showing our teachers and professors that we've learned the material. We give it back to them, right? That isn't helpful in, in, in when it comes to the spiritual life. If we take that same mindset into our spiritual life, it falls short. It falls short. So what, and that looks like this. You, you have people sitting in churches all over the world for 50 years and they haven't changed. They're still as angry. They're still as jealous. Uh, they're still as, you know, whatever, frightened as they were 50 years ago. And the reason that that happens, one of the reasons that that can happen is because is there's no spiritual practices. It's never moved from the head to, into the body, into the heart. So you can listen to all sorts of teachings and you, you can learn about things. You can hear all sorts of sermons and teachings on, you know, hearing God and being guided by God, but still lack any experience having that happen, right? So when Jesus says, you know, my sheep hear my voice, you could say, well, that sounds really cool, but not really have ever experienced it or have to go back 15, 20 years ago and say, oh, yeah, I remember one time this happened at this one time. Well, I think when Jesus is talking about my sheep hear my voice, he's meaning on an everyday basis, not on this special occasion where we have a huge decision to make. So spiritual practices are necessary to help us move all this head knowledge into actual experience, right? So actually, in the church year, we're, we're in Lent just now, this season of 40 days, not including the Sunday. 
doesn't include the counting of Sundays, the 40 days. Lent is from Ash Wednesday to Easter. And traditionally, it's a time where people will be especially attentive to their inner life because we can get easily distracted. So sometimes um, people will take on extra things for Lent, for example, they'll maybe pray more. I'm going to give you a spiritual tool. By the way, about prayer, I was reminded of this last week, that prayer is a dialogue, not a monologue. You, we're really, really missing out if we think that prayer is us talking, just talking to God. I mean, God already knows us better than we know ourselves. We can't really God tell God anything new. I think the most helpful kind of prayer is a dialogue prayer, where we're actually listening to God. And I'm going to give you a tool. It's just one way, it's one spiritual practice. There's many, many, many spiritual practices. I'm just going to give you one tool that will help you. I'm hoping it will help you hear God. I'm hoping that it will help you with uh, guidance and listening. All the things that the disciples had trouble with, and we do too, right? Here's one tool. Okay, so it's a fairly simple practice, but again, everything takes effort. So it's not just going to happen. You have to, it does take a bit of effort. So the tool is this, and this is learning how to pray in dialogue rather than just monologue. You choose a promise, a scripture verse. Now, if you don't know any scripture verses, I'm going to give you one. I'll give you a famous one, a well-known one. It's from Philippians 4, 6. That says, this is the promise. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And God's peace will come and guard your hearts. Now that's not word for word. That's just a shortened version. You can check the text out yourself in Philippians 4, 6. Now, you take a verse, any a promise like that, and commit it to memory, by the way. It's, it's important to have some, some of these promises committed to memory. And I'll, I'll give you the reason why. It's not just memorizing it for the sake of it. When you're in trauma or when something really challenging comes along or when you're in grief, it's very difficult to go to the, a script, uh, the, uh, go to the Bible and start leafing through and try to find something that's going to be helpful. It's just, it's way too hard. It doesn't work well. It's better if you have something there inside you that you can you can that will come up it will come to you when needed and you don't need that many of them you don't need to spend hours and hours just even start with three promises and you'll be surprised when they come to you okay so we take this verse and we've committed it to memory memorize it and you've got a pen and paper before you because this is a written exercise. So you do need a little bit quiet time for this. 
Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. Write it down. What are you anxious about? There's the dialogue started. What are you anxious about? Write it down. Listen. It's a dialogue. You could say, well, I'm worried about the future. Okay, why? Write it down. It's a dialogue. Well, I'm scared that I might run out of money or, or health or energy or, I don't know, fill in the blank. And listen. There'll be this back and forth dialogue. Just write down, even if it doesn't make any sense to you at this point, don't judge it, just start to freely write. Now, what happens is this. If you do this for, say, a week, and then you go back and look at your prayers from the previous seven days, you'll start to notice a pattern. And that pattern is one way to listen. It's one way. I mean, you might look at the pattern, you might think to yourself, oh, that's really interesting. I've been doing this for a month now, and for a month, I've been worrying about something that might not ever happen. And that doesn't make any sense. God's saying to me, we'll deal, if that happens, we'll deal with it together at the time when it happens. It's one way. Pay attention to patterns in your life. It's a way that God communicates with us. Jesus said, my sheep have capacity to hear my voice. Meaning, yes, we can be led by God. We can be corrected by God. We can be admonished, which is directed to change course. It's like, hey, you're way off track. You need to turn around or stop or change direction. We can be encouraged. We can be strengthened. We can be given enough, whatever we need to hang on when life is difficult. And, you know, hearing can come through many, many other ways too. I mean, it can come through other people's advice. It can come through, um, yeah, it can be a prayer dialogue. It could be a book. It could be music. It can be nature. A thousand ways God can speak to us. Thousands and thousands of ways. God uses whatever is needed to help us hear. You know? Just like Peter and James and John when they missed the point. Okay, then I'll speak from the cloud if that's what it takes. My sheep hear my voice. Yeah. <laughs> my sheep hear my voice. I mean, what a relief, right? That God has ways, tailor-made ways, to, to break into our lives and to help us listen. What a great, that's a great promise. There's the heart cry. Thank you that you make it possible for me to be guided by you. Pressure is off. The pressure's off. God knows the best way to get our attention. Well, thank you for joining me. You've been listening to Celtic Preacher. Join with me again next week for another episode.